The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. Well, my name's Isaiah. You might remember I was in here a couple months ago um, when you guys were doing the Apostles' Creed series. Uh, I preached during that, and I'm also one of the pastors uh, here at ET, so I'm glad to be back with you guys. I'm excited for the, the series that you are in. Um, I think it's an important topic. How many of you guys are excited for this topic about God's will? Yes? Excited? Couple? Good. It's a, it's a very important topic. If we don't understand God's will, it changes how we live, right? If we think that God doesn't care about us, he's not interested in our lives, that he's not aware of what's going on, or that he doesn't have a plan for us, we're going to live in a way drastically different than if we think those things are true. Ultimately, if we don't understand God's will, we're going to put our own souls in jeopardy because we are going to dishonor God. So I'm glad Pastor Isaac has started this series. I think it's going to be a good study for you guys. Um, You have a few more weeks. You have an opportunity to ask those questions like they were talking about. So as you're listening tonight, you can uh, make a note, jot down something that you want to ask about God's will and send that in, and you guys will have a chance to get those questions answered in just a couple weeks. So the passage of Scripture we're going to start with tonight should, should be familiar to you, because Pastor Isaac started into it last week. Does anyone remember where you are in the Bible? Where are you guys? Where? Not in Genesis, Parker. Matthew? Six? Yeah, you're right. You started verse 25 last week. Did you have it on the screen or no? They got it. Okay, they got it. Good. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 is where we are. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. Uh, I have it on the screen as well for you. Let me read where you guys were last week, and then we will, uh, we'll move forward into the next section of this part of the scripture and unpack it a little bit. So this is, uh, this is Jesus speaking, right? Here's what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So Pastor Isaac's big idea last week was simply this. God is in control of everything. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. He's unpacking these two illustrations. He's saying, hey, God is in control of all of this, and is he not in control of your life? So Jesus starts out talking about the birds, right? God provides everything that birds need to survive. He gives them water. He gives them food, the right amount of heat, the right amount of cool. He's designed them in a way to thrive in their environments, to know how to build nests and how to survive predators and how to migrate and do all these things. And and Jesus is saying, hey, that's all God's design. That's all within God's control. And Jesus says, even look at the flowers. You can see God's control over how they grow. 
God designed them to have beauty and appeal to us. How many of us have ever admired flowers? Or let's do it this way. Guys, how many of you have ever gotten a girl some flowers? Anybody ever done that? We have because we're married and we know. Good, good man, Carson. Carson's like, I have. Very good. Yeah, it's a good thing. Why? Because when, ladies, when you look at the flowers, you see something appealing, something beautiful there. That's God's design that he has put into them. So God is the one causing these flowers to grow, causing them to have this appeal. And Jesus says, hey, the flowers aren't doing anything to make themselves beautiful, right? No work on their part. They didn't spend any special time thinking about what clothes to put on. They didn't spend any time putting on their makeup. They didn't spend any time putting gel in their hair. They just grow and they're beautiful and appealing because that's how God made them. So the point that Jesus is bringing out is, hey, God's controlling everything about the birds and the flowers and everything around them. But Jesus is telling us that point to make a bigger truth to us. Jesus is saying, hey, God is in control of these things. Are you not more valuable than they? If, if God is going to take care of birds and flowers and all the little things surrounding them, and if he loves us in a special way more than these things, isn't he in control of everything in your life as well? God is in control of all things. Sometimes we might struggle to believe that. We might struggle to figure out, well, how, how can that be in this tough situation or in light of what's going on? But the Bible clearly teaches us, Jesus here in this passage and in countless other passages across the scripture, God is in control. That was the point last week. Now, if that is true, then tonight's message follows from that logically. In fact, this actually would precede it logically. You can't have God in control of everything if this point tonight is not true. So here's what we're going to look at tonight in the next section. And my, my big idea, the key point I want you to understand tonight is simply this. God knows everything about our lives. If God's going to control everything that's going on, if he's working in all of these situations, all of the things that's happening in our lives, he has to know about them, right? So God knows everything about our lives. That's what we want to walk away today understanding. So look at the next section here of Scripture. Start at verse 31. Jesus says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What you eat and what you drink are pretty important items in our life, right? I mean, if you don't eat food and you don't drink water for long enough, you're going to die. It doesn't matter how fit you are, how much you work out, it doesn't matter how many friends you have, how popular you are, how pretty you are. If you don't eat and you don't drink, you die. It's a life and death issue. But Jesus says, hey, don't worry about those things. Don't worry about life and death issues, that's pretty amazing. Then Jesus says, hey, and don't worry about what you're going to wear. For some of you, you may think, well, hey, that's in the category, life and death issues, right? What I wear is that important. <laughs> Jesus says, don't worry about that. Don't worry about what you're going to be clothed with. And it doesn't matter how much thought you put into your wardrobe. If you're trying to make a statement every week and you're meticulously planning it out, or if you're just putting on some clothes so, you know what, you don't die in the heat of the summer and you don't freeze to death in the winter and that's all the clothes are good for, Either way, Jesus says, don't worry about those things. Why? 
is because Jesus says, hey, these things just don't matter. They're not important. Get your priorities straight. You have other things to think about. No, they're important things, but Jesus says there's something more important for us to understand. These things do matter. Food and drink, I think, more than clothing. But they're all important parts of life. Jesus isn't saying they don't matter. Jesus is saying there's a better comfort here for you to understand. God knows what you need in your life. He knows how much food you need. He knows how much water you need to survive. He knows what kind of clothes you need to stay alive and even to interact in society. God knows everything about all of that. He just talked about how he provides all of these things for birds and for flowers. And then he says, you are much more valuable than these things. So God knows what you need. He knows how to provide clothes. He knows how to provide food. He knows how to provide water. And he knows how to provide more for us. We are objects of a special love and care by God. So Jesus is saying, look, if he takes care of these little things, birds, flowers, and God loves us more than those things, then God knows what you need, not just to survive, not just to live, but God knows what you need to flourish. He knows what you need to thrive in life. God understands how important the big things are. He understands the needs for the little things in your life. He understands you, everything about your life, everything that you need, God already knows. Now, if, the, if Jesus is saying this, that God knows everything we need to flourish, if he's saying, hey, he takes care of the things that he's created and you are more valuable than these other things, so God knows what it takes, what you need to flourish, you can start to start thinking big, right? Like mansions and Lamborghinis and private jets, because God wants me to flourish. That's what flourishing is in life, right? Having stuff, luxury, success. That's obviously what Jesus is promising me in this passage, right? No. No, it's not. A good answer. No. What we find throughout the whole of the Bible is a definition of a life that is flourishing. A life that is uh, living as God intended. And it looks different than how we would define success in the world. So before you start thinking about those things, you have to understand how Jesus defines flourishing. And let me tell you, if you're, if you're listening to a teacher who tells you that if you have enough faith or trust in God or that if you're a Christian, you get money, success, and things, those teachers are wrong. The Bible doesn't promise us those things. That's not what the life that flourishes is. Most of those preachers, I'm thinking about some preachers who will get up on TV and, and try to sell you things. If you have enough faith and you give me $7, God will give you $700. Or you give me $100, God will give you $10,000. Those people are false teachers who are lying to you. They're selling you something the Bible doesn't promise. The prosperity gospel is not the true gospel. The life that is flourishing is not a life that gets things it's a life that is, def that is reaching the true goal of our existence. It's a life defined by God. Jesus defines that life for us in this verse. Look at verse 633. At the very end, he says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. A flourishing life, a life that's going after what God intends for us, is a life that pursues God's kingdom and God himself. That's what a flourishing life looks like. Jesus says that's what your focus is to be. God is going to provide for you as you focus on doing what he intends, which is focusing on him and his kingdom. 
God's not going to give you luxury and success and money just because you're a Christian. In fact, as a Christian, you most likely will be, those things will be taken from you. You won't have opportunity to get those things because God's not concerned about how nice of a car you're rolling up in. God's concerned about where you're going and what you're going there to do. So the life that counts is the life that pursues God, the life that pursues him. You guys just finished a, a series, I think your last series, called Man's Chief End, right? Just re- anybody remember the series? Man's Chief Purpose? Okay, Man's Chief Purpose. End is the old version, right? So d- did you talk about where that came from, yeah. that question? So anyone remember where does that question come from? What is the chief purpose of man? That was the question. It comes from something. Anybody remember? You're giving him the answers. That doesn't count. So this question that Pastor Isaac started the series off of is from the Westminster Shorter Catechism. It's a set of questions and answers designed to teach people truths about God, right? So this this set of questions, this teaching method, was written in 1648. So 370 years, people have been asking, this is question number one, the first and most important question, what is man's chief purpose? What is the reason man exists? And the answer... What's the answer? Does anyone know? Beautiful. Man's chief purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That's our goal. Our goal is not Lambos and mansions and private jets. Our goal is God. It's going after him. It's enjoying him and glorifying him forever. That's how countless Christians throughout history have summarized the whole goal of the Christian life, echoing teachings all across the Bible and in passages just like this, where Jesus says, you want to know what your life goal is? You want to know what God's will for your life is? It's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't worry about the other things. Don't be anxious about those. God will take care of those. He'll give you those as you focus in on the reason why he's created you, the reason why you exist. So this series is all about God's will, and you're trying to figure out what's God's will for my life. What what am I here for? What am I supposed to be doing next? The simple answer is this. God's will for your life today, next week, and until you die, is that you would glorify God in everything that you do, and you would enjoy relationship with him forever. That's That's your purpose. That's his will for you. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness. That means to go further in proclaiming the gospel and seeing people saved and connecting with God personally in your own life. But that doesn't mean just in terms of being a pastor or a missionary or a church worker, right? So for Pastor Isaac and I, that's our vocational calling, the job that we feel like God has called us to do. We, we, we both believe God gave us certain passions and skills and opportunities in life to make this the, the, the thing that we're going to spend our lives doing, just full in, 100% invested every day. We're going to be studying the word. We're going to be trying to disciple people. We're going to be trying to preach the gospel out further, and that's going to be the job God has called us to do. But that's not the only job that exists to meet this goal. So Pastor Sarah, I think, is a good example of this, right? She has this opportunity to invest in your lives and to lead here in the youth group, but this is not the job she feels like God has for her day in and day out every day of her life. So she's studying at Evangel University right now to become an accountant. So she's going to classes to learn how to do a job that she's going to go and put 40 or 50 or 60, I don't know how long it'll take you to do that job. Accountant can can be like IT work, which I've done 
for a long time. It can take a lot. But she's going to spend hours and hours a week doing that. She's going to be sitting at a computer. She's going to be meeting with clients. She's going to be doing audits. She's going to be running numbers. And do you think that the only time she gets the opportunity to glorify God and enjoy him forever, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, is when she's here? Or is she going to do that there? Yeah. She's going to do it there. That's, God has this plan for her life. His will for her life is that she would have this opportunity inside the church and a job outside the church where she's going to just as equally glorify him there. God's will for your life, you've got to understand this, his will for your life is for your whole life. It's going to encompass every skill and every passion and every job that you have. The will for your life is all of that will be wrapped up in pursuing God. It doesn't matter if you're sitting at a desk or if you're standing on a stage. Your job is to glorify God wherever you are in whatever you are doing. That's good news because God doesn't call everyone to be pastors or missionaries in the church, right? Most of you probably are not called to do that. Some of you may be, which is, is incredible, but a lot of you are going to go into other vocations. You're going to go off to college, you're going to study business or accounting or finance or IT or teaching or whatever it is that you have this, this burden in your heart to do. And God has a purpose in all of that. He's working in all of those things. Whatever career you end up doing, whatever college you end up going to, even down to whatever people you date and whoever you end up marrying is all part of God's will for your life. And he knows everything about your life already, right? Absolutely none of this is going to be a surprise to God and nothing in your life is making God scramble to figure out a new plan, which is good news for us, right? Like it should be comforting to us to realize God already knows. So there's never a moment up in heaven where God sitting on the throne, he's looking at your life, he's going, oh, man, she's going out with him now? Whew. What am I going to do? Holy Spirit, Jesus, come here. Let's, let's get a new plan going. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Now he already knows, right? He already knows. God knows what you need. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what is going to make you flourish in pursuing him and glorifying him forever. God is so aware of you right now and where you are in life. So what Jesus is, is doing in this section of scripture is he's driving us to two simple realities that are going to be really easy to state, hopefully really easy for you to remember, but they're going to be pretty hard to live out in our own lives. The first one is this. This is what Jesus wants us to understand. We need to trust that God knows. We need to trust that God knows. In Matthew 6, Jesus is giving these examples, he's giving these illustrations so that you understand God knows how the birds are fed, he knows how the flowers grow, all, he knows all of these things, and Jesus says you're more valuable, so God knows every bit of that and more in your life, and you need to trust that God knows you and what's going on. I know that can be hard to believe sometimes, because our lives are complicated and messy, right? Sometimes we don't even know what's going on in our lives. We don't know what the next step is. We don't know um, how this thing's going to play out. What, what, how's this going to impact me? What if I do this? But Okay, but what if I go this way? We, we don't have it all figured out. And so we think, man, you know, maybe it's all just a mystery. But God already knows. 
God knows where you are and where you're headed. God knows every choice that you're going to make. He knows every single place you're going to go in your life. He knows every relationship you're going to have. And he knows how all of it is going to impact and shape you because he cares for you so much more than the birds and the flowers. We have to learn how to use wisdom and care, and you guys are going to talk about that next week, and then in your panel, you'll have opportunities to flesh that out more. But first and foremost, before you get there, before you get to what practical steps can I take, you have to trust God knows. That's why we started the the series this way. We started with two weeks of doctrine, of teaching, of we want you to think right about God and who he is and how he works in your life before you start figuring out, okay, well, what do I do? if we rush to what do I do and we don't think right about God, we're going to miss it altogether. So understand God's not surprised by your life. Not surprised by your failures. He's not surprised by your sin. He's not even surprised by the issues you have going on. God knows all of it right now. God knows what you did this week. He knows every thought, every action, every feeling you had, every desire in your life. He knows all of it. And he knows what you're going to do in the rest of your life too. Nothing is a surprise or a mystery to God. So maybe you're thinking, okay, that's big. That maybe, maybe I haven't thought of God like that before. I, I don't know. I mean, you're just you're coming out of three verses in the middle of a parable. I'm not sure I buy it. Let me give you three other places in the scripture, just real quick, that talk about this same thing. So the first is this, Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Here's, here's God talking. He says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish my purpose. This section of scripture, Isaiah 46, and the chapters surrounding it, is God talking about what separates him from false idols. And the big thing God keeps repeating throughout this, he says, I'm God because I know everything. I know what's happened. I know why everything has happened. I know what's going to happen. I'm God because I know it all. False gods, idols, don't know anything. They can't say anything. They can't tell you anything about your life. I can. That's God's point in this whole section of Scripture. So notice a few key words up here. God says, hey, I declare the end from the beginning. God knows how everything starts and how everything ends because he controls all of it, like we talked about last week. From ancient times, from the very beginning, all the way to things that have not yet happened, God knows all of it. And how does the statement end here? I will accomplish my purpose. God's not going to fail. God's not going to fail with you. He doesn't just have high hopes that you're going to be great one day. He knows what you're going to turn out like, how you're going to get there, how all of these things in your life are playing together to shape and impact you. And he's going to accomplish what he has designed for you in your life. So another passage is Psalm 139, verses 15 and 16. The Bible says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me when as yet there were none of them. God is not watching our lives unfold like a TV series. How many of you guys have a favorite TV series you might be watching right now? Anybody watching a TV series that's going on right now? So like, we're, uh, Malia and I, we're watching The Good Doctor. Has anyone ever seen that? Yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe, maybe we're old. I don't know. It's a pretty good show. So we're watching it, and every week we're waiting to see, oh, man, what's going to happen next? And then we've got to wait until the next episode comes out. 
so we, so we can know what happens next. Well, God's not looking at our lives like that. God's not looking at you right now going, okay, they're in church, it's Wednesday, good. Oh, but what is next week going to bring? What's tomorrow? I don't know. God already knows. Right? He already knows. He's already looked all the days of your life before any of them happened. God knows them. That's what the verse says. He knows how your life is going to go because he created you. He has a plan for you. He knows you. Let's go to one more verse. We'll go to the New Testament for this one. 1 John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. It says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. I mean, that's pretty plain and simple there, right? God knows everything. Because of that truth, John says, hey, you can reassure your heart. You can have comfort and peace as you're going through your life because God knows. He knows when you're struggling. He knows when you fail. He knows when you sin. All of it. When your heart, when you come to that place where you're feeling that conviction and your heart says, I I know that what I've done is wrong. It's condemning your actions. God knows that and he's greater than that. He's greater than just that moment. If we don't understand that God's love isn't changing, that he's not getting tired of us, that he's not going to refuse to give us another chance, we would despair. But John says, take heart, reassure yourself that God knows and he loves you. Right? That's the whole point of of 1 John is he keeps repeating this, this affirmation that God is love and that he's loving towards his people. And here he says, God knows everything and he still loves you. We need to trust that God knows. Even though that's hard sometimes in our life, when we learn to do this, and that can be a challenge, but when we learn to do this, it keeps our anxiety in check. There's three big parts of this passage that we're going through, Matthew 6, where Jesus says, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, do not be anxious, because these things are true. God knows. God knows. So instead of being paralyzed by fear, instead of wondering, okay, I'm not sure what's going on in my life, if we believe that God knows, it leads to the second part of the passage. This is our final point tonight. Do something to glorify God. God already knows everything about your life. So our response to that is to do something. Jesus in this passage is telling us, and all across the scripture is telling us about God's work and God's knowledge, Because he wants us to think right, to believe truth. And then he tells us in that response, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's saying, go and do something. Act. Don't sit around paralyzed by fear. Don't sit around thinking, okay, I've got to wait for a flashing neon light in the sky to tell me the next choice to make. Go do something to glorify God. Our response to these truths is to act. If we trust that God already knows us, already knows our lives, already knows the situations we're in, then we can take confidence that we can use wisdom and do something in our pursuit of God and trying to glorify him. Next week, you're going to talk about how you're going to apply these things more, how to use wisdom and how to get biblical, wise counsel and all of that kind of thing. But the big picture tools the Bible gives us are built on the truths we're talking about last week and this week. It's built on God's work in all of your life. It's built on God's knowledge of all of your life. It's about, our lives are about going after God, seeking to do things that glorify him. So do the things that serve him or serve others in his name. Things that reflect his love and his kindness and his mercy. So you're gonna, you've got questions, right? You guys are 
getting close to college, some of you really close, some of you have a couple years still, but choose to go to a college that gives you an opportunity to glorify God. And there is nothing, you can search the Bible in and out and you're not going to find where to go to college in there. You're not going to find in the Bible who to date or who to marry. It's not in the scripture. What's in the scripture is that you are called to glorify God in everything you do. So if you get two choices, and one of them is it's going to be really difficult to follow God. There's no church to plug into. There's no people to witness to there. There's no uh, future that I can see in this, but it, it, you know, to go to this school. Or here, I can be plugged into the church. I can reach out to people with God's love. Choose the path that gives you the opportunity to glorify God. That's what you're called to do. Our response to these truths is to trust God knows everything and seek God in everything that we do then. That may be ministry work or that may be some other vocation. It could be accounting, it could be counseling, it could be becoming a teacher, it could be working in management at a company, owning your own business, or just working a regular nine to five. But God knows where you're going in your life and you need to trust him. However God has wired you and designed you, God's will for your tomorrow is that you do things to seek after him, to pursue him, to glorify him, to take opportunity to reflect his love wherever you end up. So I understand the last couple of weeks you guys have been doing things a little bit different. You've taken this time right here, kind of at the end of the message, to reflect and to think these things through and to pray before you get into your campfire groups for discussion. So here's, here's what we'll do tonight. I, I, I brought a new song that you probably haven't heard before. And I want to read to you one of the most humbling passages, I think, in all of Scripture. When I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling down and depressed, I like to go here, and that may seem weird as I start to read the passage, but this passage brings me back to these right thoughts about God, that God knows far more than I do. He already knows everything, as John said. So if you want to get up and you want to spread out, let me read to you these verses out of the book of Job. Verses 38. So you can get up, you can move, find space because we're going to reflect in just a moment. Here's what happens in Job 38. The Bible says, The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, and I will question you, and you will make it known to me. So if you know Job's story, you know what's going on here. This is the end of the, the book. And Job's been talking about God, and his friends have been talking about God, and they're getting it wrong. They don't understand what God's doing and all the suffering that Job is enduring. And so God shows up and he says, hey, you think you know everything? You think you know better than me? You think you know that your life should have gone a different way? You're questioning me? Well, here, answer these questions. He says, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Who laid the cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut the doors in the sea when it burst forth from the womb. When I made clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band. And prescribed limits for the sea and set bars and doors and said this far shall you come and no further. Here shall your proud waves be stayed. Job, have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? Have you entered into the springs of the seas or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of all the earth? Declare if you know all of this. 
Where is the way to the dwelling of light? And where is the place of darkness? And God keeps going on and on like this for three full chapters. God just grills Job with, hey, you think you're so smart? Answer this, answer this, answer this, answer this. Job begs with God in the middle of it, please stop, I've spoken about things I don't understand, and God keeps going. He just keeps going. So eventually in Job 42, Job gets the chance to reply, and here's what he says. Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. For you said, who is this that gives counsel without knowledge? I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. You said, hear and speak, and I will question you, and you will make it known to me. Well, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself, and I repent in dust and ashes. At the end of this, Job is brought to the reality that God knows everything. All these things are far beyond what Job could ever understand. God knows them. And so Job's response is to repent to beg God for mercy, to reorient his thinking. So we're going to play a song that's based off of this section of Job, actually. I hadn't heard the song for years, and I had looked at this verse, and I thought, man, I, I, what song should we do as we reflect? And this just popped up in my Spotify list, and I thought, man, that's the perfect song. So you're going to have the words on the screen. You're going to get a chance to, to hear sung a little bit of what I just read and to reflect. Maybe you're like Job. Maybe your thoughts about God have not been right for years. Maybe you don't believe God knows everything about your life. Maybe you think, well, he's got the birds and the flowers, but I'm, I'm more complicated. Maybe it's time, like Job, for us to repent. So we'll play this song, and you'll have a chance to do that. And then we'll have a chance to worship. There's a, a song. Uh, a few months ago, Pastor Isaac and I were at a conference in this group led, and this was one of the songs that we learned there. It's called, You Can't Be Praised Enough. So for four minutes, you'll hear this song from the book of Job, and then it'll move into this opportunity for you to respond. Again, the words will be on the screen if you want to sing, if you want to pray. We'll take a few minutes to reorient our thoughts before we get together and we discuss these things. Guys, you can start the song as we think about these truths and then as we worship God. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.